As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to our latest Raiders Live room. Here to talk about the Derek Carr extension, the one we've been wondering if it was coming, when it was coming, and now it has come, the three-year deal worth $121.5 million. Um, the, uh, the initial figures, the, uh, the more granular details are starting to come out, and, and from a practical purpose, it looks like somewhere a little bit north of $60 million guaranteed at signing, uh, the $25 million salary for the 2022 season, and then uh, three days after the Super Bowl, uh, another forty and a half million would become guaranteed. So in practicality, it might be closer to a really a two-year deal that they would have ability to escape after that. And you know, it might save them a little bit of cap space uh, as we find out more of the details. Doesn't look like it's going to save them a ton of cap space in twenty twenty-two. But um, I know Carr said it would save them some, and uh, we'll see how much exactly. But um, guys, what, what do we all think about uh, this this car extension? I mean, we we all expected that this was probably the route they would go. Um, and, and it is a short-term extension. He does get the no-trade clause to give himself some control over what could happen if, if things go in a different direction. But, um, you know, the, the Raiders do know, he knows that he's going to be around for at least the next few years. The annual salary um, and the, the years made sense to me, but I, I think the guarantees being as low as they are and kind of structured how they are surprised me a little bit, uh, particularly coming off of um, – you know, I think the Deshaun Watson deal is going to end up being an outlier. But even when you look at, you know, the deals for Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins and how much guaranteed money they got, uh, you know, Derek Carr comes in significantly below them. Um, you know, it helps that he has the no trade clause. So, uh, you know, technically, like like we said, you know, he that that 2023 season is guaranteed as well. If he if he wants it to be, if he just flat out, you know, if they want to move on after this season, he doesn't want to. It basically has two years guaranteed. But even with that, I, I was a little surprised. Um, both with the guarantees and how low the signing bonus was. Yeah, I think it's a very uh, team-friendly deal. I think um, 
I don't know if they had him in a, in a tough spot, but obviously Derek's happy. He gets a little security, but I'm sure it's not the uh, the length of a deal he'd like or the amount of money guaranteed he'd like. But in exchange, he gets a no-trade clause. He kind of controls his destiny a little bit the next couple of years. But um, clearly he wanted to play with Devontae Adams. They've been sitting all along. Now they have a chance to do that. So he has a. I, I wrote today a three-year window in my mind to kind of win a, win a ring for the Raiders, and then uh, we'll see how this goes. But, yeah, I think it's a very team-friendly deal, I think, um, uh, they can move on now and try to focus on on, on the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he told his uh, he told his agent he wants to be a Raider or play golf, and you know, I think when he told his agent that, it's like, oh crap! If the Raiders find out, we probably don't have much leverage here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a very team friendly deal, like you guys said. It, I think average per year, it'll be what somewhere around that five to six range, and then with extensions coming up for. Um, young quarterbacks like Murray, Jackson, Burrow, Herbert, and possibly Tua if he plays well with all the weapons he has, uh, this contract might be squeezed out of the top 10 by by next year. So, um, you know, really team-friendly deal. And, you know, I, I think he has played better than his statistics have shown in the last couple seasons. But obviously with this year and, and the weapons he has, uh, he, I think he should be able to live up to his contract. You know, I think what's notable when you look at his contract compared to, you know, a lot of the other deals other teams signed is you know, a $7.5 million signing bonus. Um, and, and that's why um, it does not appear that this contract will significantly change his 2022 cap figure. I think it was, you know, previously in, you know, in the $19 million range. And I think it's going to be probably somewhat similar um, because, you know, the $7.5 million, they have you know, it could be spread out over the four years, or if they tack on a void year, um, they could spread that out over five years, and it could, you know, count as only one and a half million each year. Um, but if you go on the reported figures of a twenty-five million dollar, um, is what he's going to take home in year one, uh, assuming that that means that seven and a half million dollar signing bonus, and then probably somewhere around a seventeen and uh, so a seven and a half million dollar signing bonus, and then probably about a seventeen and a half million dollar base salary. Um, you know, you figure if they have that void year to spread it out over the full five, that means it's a $19 million cap hit. So um, saving a little bit, but, uh, you know, you see a lot of teams um, and, and this could be just they, they haven't quite um, got the full benefits of, of the money that they expect to have be an influx now that they're in Vegas. Um, but a lot of teams, you know, would, would rather do that as, OK, let's give a big $40 million bonus that we can really spread out and really lower this year one cap. Um, but for the Raiders, I guess with, with that 20 million that they have coming, um, in a couple of months, maybe that that's one reason they also felt they didn't need to do that that much. They feel they have enough cap space, um, and they would rather, uh, you know, not significantly lower this year's just to kick money down the road. Yeah. I think another factor may be in, uh, you know, freeing up space through cars extension, not being as big of a deal is they are still going to get that you know, about $20 million in June uh, coming off the books once once Corey Littleton and, and Carl Nassib's contracts come off. So, um, you know, if they do feel like they need some more space later on this offseason, they already have a pretty significant amount of it coming off here in a couple of months. So, um, you know, it, it may not have been as much of a, a priority to, to get that, that, that first year number down for him. Yeah, I know when Derek talked, and we'll get to questions here in just a minute. You guys can uh, can request to speak, hitting that button there, and we'll uh, we'll hit to you guys in a couple minutes. Um, but I know uh, one thing that we were texting kind of during the uh, the car press conference that was was notable as Derek kept talking about the guys that he hopes you know hopes his deal allows them to bring in more guys and extend more guys. Obviously, he's talking about Hunter Renfro, but the name he brought up um, 
he did bring up Darren Waller once toward, toward the end, but the name that he kept bringing up uh, a couple of times was Foster Moreau. Um, he, he seems to be really high on Foster Moreau and is hoping his deal leads to a, a Moreau extension. Um, you know, again, I, he, he did mention uh, Waller when he kind of started talking again and naming guys that he hopes this leads to them returning. But um, it, it did strike me a little bit surprising when, uh, when we heard him at first say, yeah, you know, Hunter Renfro, Foster, you know, these guys we want to want to hopefully be able to extend. Yeah, I think, well, because he and Foster are close friends. I think, obviously, Moreau will be a lot more affordable than Darren Waller. So I think you can probably get maybe Renfro and, and Moreau done. I, I imagine now all these big contracts, you got Chandler Jones, Adams, uh, Carr. I kind of feel that like Waller's kind of the odd man out. I think he'll probably won't be here past this year. But you never know. But I would think maybe that's just Derek kind of projecting what he thinks maybe realistic as far as who they can bring back now. Yeah, we talked about this being a team-friendly deal. Maybe he's doing the – the team a little negotiation favor right there with, with all the, the Foster Moreau lines. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, even kind of looking ahead, I mean, Darren Waller has two years left on his deal, so it's not as, uh, you know, as much of an immediate priority as it was with guys like Max Crosby and, and you know, maybe Hunter Info guys that are going into the final year that that rookie deal that, you know, would have, would have been set up to be free agents next offseason since they weren't first round picks. So, um, I, th- I think with Waller, like they obviously you know, have leverage to slow play it a little bit. You know, if they do want to extend them, you know, waiting until next year. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take some questions. We're going to go to Jeff S. He's mad at Ted for starting early. <laughs> Jeff S., you're on the stage. Awesome. Hey, well, uh, I'll say a couple things real quick. I-, I hope that the Raider fans that have been skeptical of Carr hear, hear the fact that he's taking a team-friendly deal, which is good for uh, good for good for the team, good for the Raiders long term, which I appreciate. And, and just the fact that we're going to be competitive. We don't have to worry about who our quarterback's going to be. But um, just sort of a big-picture question I'm curious to get your take on. Um, when I hear people talk about the Raiders' expectations for this upcoming season, I've heard some folks mention that they won a lot of close games and how sustainable is that. But do you think the Raiders are getting enough credit sort of nationally for how they were able to, to win the games they did given all of the off-the-field stuff that they had to deal with? I feel like it's often t- talked about like the Raiders got lucky last year. And yet, I think, you know, with extenuating circumstances off the field, I wonder if um, there's actually room for room for it. Could have been better had things been smoother off the field. Yeah, I feel like the broadcast teams for Raiders games leaned into it pretty significantly, especially in that Chargers game. It was a really strong narrative, all the adversity and things they overcome and being in this position to maybe make the playoffs. So I feel like it was talked about a good amount. I think maybe some of the reason people may say that it might be fluky is just the nature of the wins. You know, they had six walk-off wins, which typically, you know, you have worse luck with that and it doesn't carry over from year to year. So, like, even going into this offseason, there were some questions about, you know, are the Raiders really a playoff-caliber roster? You know, do you have something to build upon? And, you know, obviously from the, the moves that they made this offseason, they believe so internally. Um, you know, just in terms of how they're viewed nationally, I think – they're more so hurt by like not what they're doing in particular, but just the division overall getting so much stronger with the Broncos and uh, the Chargers making some moves. And so I don't think it's, it's as much of a knock against the Raiders as just what's going on in the, in the AFC West and the AFC as a whole. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for everything you do. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right. We are going to bring on Ramon R. Ramon, how you doing? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. So my question is now, given – all the moves we've made, um, and Vic, I, I read your article about, you know, Super Bowl window the next three years. Um, but realistically speaking, I guess, what would you guys consider a success, a success for the regime over the next three years? Like if to make the playoffs two to three years and get to an AFC championship, 
would you guys consider that a success or, or what's the the benchmark, no. I guess? No, nah, we're saying Super Bowl, right? The whole we play to win the whole thing, right? They're, they're making these moves. They got Jelly Jones, they got the best receiver in the game. Derek Carr came back. I think if you're not looking to win the, the ring in the next three years, then something went uh, went really wrong in, in this in this quick planning through together. So I think anything less than the ring is, uh, is I'm not gonna say failure is a little harsh, but that's got to be the goal. That's got to be what they're playing for. That's got to be what they, they set this up for right now. The way they made these moves this off season. So I, I think they're all in, and I think it's uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think, you know, just from where this franchise has been the last 20 years, I think if they make the, make the playoffs in the, in the next three years and make some noise in the playoffs, to me, that's a win. You know, I, maybe my stands are too low. Just, make some noise? Come on, man. <laughs> just make some noise. Get into the championship game. It's so hard. It's so hard, you know. To, to win a Super Bowl, you need so many things to swing your way. But I, I think if, you know, you make the playoffs and you're able to win a game or two, then, you know, that that's evidence that this uh, this new regime is is doing things the right way. Like when Derek Hardy was talking today, you know, making the playoffs, they, they viewed that as a success for last year. But, you know, now it becomes winning a playoff game. Like, let's say this year, like if they win a playoff game and then they lose, like then that's going to be the model going into the next year. So I don't think they'll ever be really completely satisfied until they – they win that championship. I mean, the amount of money that they've—I guess they, the signing bonuses—they haven't really spent that much technically this first year. But like the amount of money they committed to, you know, with, with Adams and Jones and Derek Carr, you know, in the sense, you know, that, those aren't moves that you make just to kind of be competitive and float around. Like you know, Mark Davis is obviously thinking this is a, a Super Bowl caliber roster. You know, whether that happens, we'll see. But that's, that's definitely the aim. Yeah, thanks. I just think in this division, given the beast of the AFC, I feel like they at least make a championship game, make a run, like Ted said. Three years from now, I don't foresee that causing, you know, them to move off of their car or, or blowing up the coaching regime or anything like that. Ooh, so. I'm booing. Boo. <laughs> no, I, I think, mean, I think, I think if, if, if you go into each of these seasons and you, you, you feel like you've given yourself a chance, I mean, if you're a you. You may, if you make the playoffs every year, if you, you know, if you go on some runs and yeah, maybe a couple of plays away. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you look at this like, oh, okay. Yeah. We need to blow this up. I mean, obviously the goal for every team every year is to win a Super Bowl. That has not been a realistic goal for the Raiders uh, for a long time. And so I think just the fact that you can call that a realistic goal, we'll see if it can be called a realistic goal. I mean, we don't know. We know the division stuff. We know the conference is tough. We know the, you know, the league, is, especially the AFC, is loaded with all these young superstar quarterbacks. Um, so it's, I mean, the idea that you know the Super Bowl is the goal. I mean, that's that's both obvious, but it's also like um, it's going to be really hard. Um, but I mean, I think if they're in the conversation every year, you know, if they're a team that's in the playoffs every year. Um, then you, you would feel pretty good about where they're going. And, um, I mean, they're taking a shot. They're taking their best shot at it, I, I, is what I would say. Yeah, I don't think, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl in the next three years, I'm not saying the coaching staff is going to get, you know, fired or anything crazy like that. I do think Derek Carr could be gone in the mix of that. But, um, you know, but if they're competing in the playoffs or making the playoffs pretty much every year throughout this span, like this, I mean, the Raiders have had so much coaching turnover over the last decade or so that, you're not going to move on from a successful coach barring some kind of, you know, off the field issue or something of that nature. So I don't think they'll be that impatient in that sense. Luckily, nothing like that ever happens around the race. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I, think, right, Ramon, I think we need appreciate to get it. Uh, we need to get it on record. If they do win a Super Bowl, then Vic has to sing another song for us. Oh, yes, oh yeah. He definitely does. That's a given. That's a given. Thanks, guys.
All right, thanks, Ramon. All right, let's turn it over to Bradley N. With Carr being extended, it's uh, obviously the offense is expected to be really freaking good next year. But with Gus, Gus Bradley leaving, I'm uh, pretty terrified that the Raiders' defense is going to take a step back. Obviously, looking at their record, they've been legendarily bad. So there's a uh, obviously going to be yet another defensive coordinator. And I don't really know enough about a lot about Patrick Graham. So I'm just wondering what your guys' take is on him and how could he could kind of match the level of success or exceed the level of success that Gus Bradley brought to the defense last year. Yeah, I think with Patrick Graham, if you just look at his, like if you look at just the numbers for the defenses that he's coordinated, you know, with the Dolphins and the Giants, like I, I can see why you might be concerned just because they aren't that impressive. But I think he's a coach that his reputation and kind of how he goes about his job, you know, it, it stands out much higher than, than maybe what the results are. Um, I think he's played, you know, he's, he's coached some teams that aren't that talented defensively. And so the hope is that, you know, with his schemes, it's more diverse than Gus Bradley's. It, you know, he has multiple fronts, multiple coverages that he uses and alignments and things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, I wouldn't say the Raiders' defensive talent is like great or anything like that, but I think it's good enough to where, you know, if Patrick Graham is the coach that he has a reputation of being, it should be at least uh, solid this season, barring some injuries. Yeah, if you if you want to look at some you know positive examples, just watch Graham's um, defense against uh, the Chiefs last year, and look at what the Raiders did against uh, the Chiefs last year. Um, I, I think with Graham, you know, when you study his defense, he does a lot of modern things, um, you know, really cutting edge stuff that's really trendy in the league. Uh, I think he's a really smart coach, and it, it's kind of the opposite of what Bradley does. Bradley is a cover three guy, and that's kind of the uh, defense is out of vogue um, in, in the, the league now. And I, I think with Bradley, the ceiling for a defense is limited. Uh, but I think he has a high floor because when you have guys that know exactly what you're doing because your scheme is very simple, uh, there's going to be no coverage busts, which um, resulted in good things for the Raiders last year because their defense has been so disorganized. But I think with Graham, when you have a, when you have a guy that, um, you know, is, is so uh, versatile and, and willing to do some different things, I think you're, you know, you have a, a higher ceiling when it comes to your, your defense. And, uh, you know, you just talk to anybody around the league that you know, knows defensive schemes. They're going to talk pretty highly about Patrick Graham. I'll just add that I think it's easier to play defense when you're ahead, obviously. So we'll have a good pass rush still. they got Taylor Jones, Max Crosby. So if the offense is as good as it should be, we'll be playing with a lead in the fourth quarter, which definitely makes it easier to play defense. We're going to move on to Kyle P. Kyle, you are on the stage. Hey, I'm wondering uh, with a few more extensions possibly on the horizon with uh, Hunter, maybe uh, Foster, maybe a pay bump for Waller. Is that going to eat into that uh, 20 million post June one significantly, or do you think we'll still have money to make a move for a proven veteran? I still think uh, another detail safety could help. Yeah, it's, it's kind of murky right now because the car details are kind of like filtering through, but. The way it's looking is he basically has the same cap hit, so there's that twenty million about that they're getting in June is still gonna be twenty million and they have about five million or so right now and where they're picking in the draft, the space that they have now should cover them for their draft picks. So uh that, that space that they're getting is pretty much gonna be you know free for their usage, whether that's giving out extensions to other guys on the roster. 
or uh, you know going out and adding other outside free agents. I think you know particularly since we're seeing a structure of not just Cars deal but Adams and Chandler Jones and uh, Max Crosby that these signing bonuses are pretty low. So I think until they get that extra space, I, I couldn't see them making like another huge outside splash in terms of another free agent. But once we get into June, like I've said before, there's always a couple of free agents still out there that you would expect to be at that time of year. So something could definitely be on the table at that point. Well, I keep seeing on Twitter, there's a, there's a big move coming. I keep seeing on Twitter, there's a, there's a big one coming soon. So let's wait for that one to happen. That joke fell, Man, that I, joke fell flat. But yeah, no, I think... Um, <laughs> boo. <laughs> Wasn't this the big move? This was the big move, the car extension. My bad. But yeah, I agree with the show. I think that they... Um, I have some room for some more moves in June, but probably not right away. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys doing this. All right. Thanks, Kyle. All right. We've got MASH A. MASH, oh. you are on the stage. Awesome. Well, I'm on vacation. I just want to make sure I'm good. I have a 19-part question, but it's really in three parts. One, stop picking on Hondo. Come on now. Two, I'm going to be in Vegas for the draft. Would love to buy you all a drink. To Sean, I know I have to buy you like a bourbon, so Old Forester 1920, fantastic. Sounds great. And then my 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 actual question is, I'm a new. I really zone in on the Raiders photos, and if you look at Leatherwood, our favorite subject, it doesn't say tackle or guard. It says both, which leads me to believe he's the swing tackle guard, whereas uh, Jermaine and then uh, Parker are clearly tackle and guard. Do you think he's going to be the swing tackle guard guy, like the combo person? Or do you really think he's going to have a chance to start? I think he'll be the if you re- If you read Vic's story, Vic, Vic lined out uh, the starting offensive line that he said does not give him a lot of confidence. And he did not even put Alex Leatherwood's name in, in that uh, starting offensive line that he that says doesn't give you a lot of confidence. So. And that's how it's okay. The kid can have a nice camp. Who knows? I'm saying if they play a game tomorrow, I don't think he'd be starting on the line. Maybe he's a swing tackle. Maybe he can play a backup guard. But to me, it's pretty clear based on the moves they made this offseason, the new regime doesn't really view him as a starter right now. And hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he can, he's a very young guy. He can definitely improve on the skill set. But I think right now the projection is he's a backup at this point. I think they might be, like, fucking with us a little bit on that just to, like, not give it away. You know, is he starting to guard? Is he starting to tackle? I, I don't know. That's, I know it, it pretty much happened with Damon Arnett last year. Like, them having a first – it's a different regime, obviously, but having a first-round pick go to a backup pretty quickly. But I just feel like the guys that they have right now, like, I don't – like, Brandon Parker or Jermaine Luminor, like, is, is that – I feel like I would rather see if this 22-year-old guy is any good instead of just rolling those guys out there. But again, you know, they, in June, they get that extra space so they could go out there and sign a veteran right tackle or guard that ends up being a much more significant upgrade over over Leatherwood. But So I know Leatherwood wasn't, you know, he had his struggles last year, but I'm not sure those guys are that much of like an upgrade over him to where I wouldn't kind of take a flyer on that potential. Yeah, I think they legitimately don't know if he's going to be a guard or tackle because they, they hope he could play tackle because, you know, he was drafted at a right tackle as a more premium position. He drafted him in the first round, but he was so bad there last year that you can't just hang your hat on hope. So they have, you know, if they need to, they don't have to start him. Um, but I, I think he'll get a shot to be a starter, obviously, but um, they just don't, you know, you're hoping that he takes this huge, massive leap because he was so bad last year. 
um, that, you know, they won't know what kind of leap he's taking as a player through the hard work he's done in the offseason until uh, they actually see him in camp. His workout video looks good, at least. That's a positive. Yeah, he's working with Duke, which is, you know, one of the best O-line trainers, you know, out, out there. So that's, yeah. that's positive for sure. Awesome. Well, drinks on me at the draft, guys, all day. Who's my guy back in the old days? It was, uh, it was Bruce Campbell, right? The guy who was the, uh, the gym maniac who lifted, like, these huge tractors and pushed things around. Workouts don't mean anything as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, I, again, he's a young guy. He definitely can get better. But um, the workout videos don't mean much right now. A big negative today, man. Jeez. Yeah. He missed the last. I said, we're going to freaking Super Bowl in the next three years. I've been very positive. Jimmy, every move, every the move they make nowadays, you just call, you just start talking Super Bowl. Devontae Adams, they're going to, they're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Derek Carr, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Vic is all about the Super Bowl nowadays. Brandon Parker, he went Super Bowl. He went Super Bowl. Vic needed to be on our AFC West roundtable. We did our AFC West live room while Vic was on vacation, and we got lambasted by a guy who was not impressed with our energy and our excitement. He, he came on and just ripped everybody for not having enough excitement about everything going on. Well, we got the Super Bowl hype man on here today, Vic. Uh, Vic, Vic loves the Super Bowl. He, he's ready to party. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're going to bring on Kyle P. Kyle P., you're on the stage. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, fellas? Going good, man. It's going good. good. Hey, I, uh, I got a two-parter about uh, Patrick Graham's defense. Uh, for any of you guys to jump in, but maybe Ted might know. I know he's always uh, grinding that tape. Uh, first off, I remember uh, Paul Gunther had a, a real bad rap for his, compli- his defense being too complicated. Uh, and I know they talk – so much about how versatile Patrick Graham's defense is. Do you see that being an issue again? Yeah, I, I think that's the potential scary part about going away from Bradley's defense, which was you know simple and the, the players were able to play fast in that system because you know there wasn't a ton of calls to, to make. But you know, like I said before, the, the ceiling for that type of defense isn't as high. So, you know, you can run a complicated system. You know, Bill Belichick runs a complicated system. Nick Saban runs a complicated system. But it's the way you teach it. So if he's a good teacher and he's organized and his staff is able to teach it to these players, then, you know, you should be fine. But that's the thing we don't know about him, you know, without being in his meetings or not. So, you know, I I wouldn't be scared of a complicated system because, you know, some of the best defenses in the NFL are, are complicated. It just depends on... Uh, what kind of teacher you have and whether he's able to evaluate um, the guys that he ha- he has in those rooms and put them in the best position to win. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm afraid of the change, man, to be honest. I was uh, upset with how basic Bradley was, but it, it worked. It, it brought us to a, a middle-of-the-pack defense where we hadn't seen in a while. But um, the, the back end of that question, I know they say uh, you're 75 80% in nickel, but you, we'll play, you know, plenty of 3-4. And then if we have uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby both playing those uh, kind of stand-up positions, does that mean, like, you're basically rushing five all the time. Is that an issue? Is one of them going to have to drop more often than we would like to see? Jones has shown that he can do that. So I think that it's not the ideal thing for him to do, but I think he has that, that skill set. Go ahead, Ted. Sorry. Yeah, no, it doesn't mean you're going to rush five all the time. So they'll have different calls where uh, you're basically going to rush four. You know, they'll say, like, you know, strong side backers rushing here. But um, they're, they're not going to drop jones and crosby you know more than maybe one or two times per game um and they're going to be a nickel a lot of times so they're going to be in, in in even fronts most of the time anyways and the times that they will be in that five-man front is, uh, are going to be on rundowns where you're most likely going to see runs so i you know i don't think you have to worry about that anyways and you know like um my friend coach vast says you know if you drop a guy like max crosby back more than twice a game then you're an asshole so Let's just hope that uh, that's not going to happen. Gotcha. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it, fellas. I think we've cleared the uh, the queue here. Any any final points you guys want to make? I mean, uh, that we didn't really talk that much about the no trade clause, but I mean, I think for Carr getting that included, like we said, you know, the deal is you know not the greatest deal for him. It, it is a more team friendly deal. That would seem to be kind of the you know when when we heard Josh McDaniels talk about the sweet spot couple weeks ago for for the car camp that was probably uh part of this them for them finding the sweet spot is being able to get that no trade clause yeah, i thought it was a nice move by Cleveland. i think it definitely um kind of helps out with the, the, the lack of guaranteed money or the lack of not the, the huge numbers that other quarterbacks are getting so i think nice touch by him to kind of appease uh, the car camp a little bit and i think um i think everyone's happy today right now that's the most important thing so you kind of build off this and uh and see what you got. Yeah, I guess the way that the car is probably viewing it is like he's he's too good for them to just cut him, right? So I mean, like if if they're gonna move on from me, they're gonna have to trade me. And so like basically, this money is unless he just falls off a cliff or just these injuries, like it's just, it might as well be guaranteed, I guess, in his mind because you know if he wants to be there, like it's ultimately in his hands. Obviously, at some point, it, you know they could just cut him if, if it got to that point. But uh, I think he's and it's kind of indicative of this deal is. You know, Carr may not be like an elite quarterback, but he's good enough to where you can't just bank on finding another quarterback as good as he is. And so he's kind of in that Kirk Cousins tier and, you know, their annual salaries are matched up. And Kirk Cousins also got a, a no trade clause in his deal. And so it kind of surprises some people that, you know, quarterbacks of their caliber get that. But it, I think it makes sense when you factor in the concessions that he's making elsewhere. We'll bring on Donald S. Donald, you're on the stage. All right. Hey, I had a question about the offensive line. I know we always get questions about that, but it was like, we're talking Super Bowls, but we saw how bad the line was last year. And it's like, okay, what could we do if we can't run the ball? And, you know, we have Khalil Mack sadly coming at us and uh, Joey Bosa. So what do you guys think we'll do in the draft and, or what we'll do with that $20 million coming in June? Do you think we'll get more than one offensive lineman? They hold on to all five of those picks that they have in the draft. It'd be hard to see them like not taking a swing on, you know, one of those later mid, mid, mid to late rounds offensive linemen with some upside. But I don't think outside of maybe somebody like, uh, Kennard or, um, Philele, 
you know, drop them down to 86. I don't think they would get guys that are probably going to be starters year one. So uh, I think if they're going to go out and get some starting help on an offensive line, you know, I can see a situation maybe they draft a guy with some upside, and then when that, that money comes off the books in June, they could go get one of those veteran guys. I don't know if, you know, Daryl Williams or Riley Reef or you know, some of those veteran offensive linemen will still be out there at that point. But, yeah, that's definitely the biggest concern left on the roster. Not to say they, they're perfect elsewhere, but – um, you, know, you can have all these weapons and a really good quarterback, but if their blocking is as bad and inconsistent as it was last year, I think they're going to run into some hiccups. I think the offense will still be pretty good, but I don't think it would be great, which is what you're banking for when they made the investment that they have so far. Yeah, I mean, I think with their offensive line, um, you're banking that the interior is going to be much better with Denzel Good coming back. Um, the center making an improvement from being his first year as a, a starter, and he he did improve throughout last season. So you're hoping he makes a jump. And then for the right guard spot, either Leatherwood makes a, a, a big jump there or, you know, you, you replace him with a guy like Luminor. So hopefully you have the left tackle to interior, um, at least, you know, solid. And then, you know, with the right tackle spot, you have some competition there. Um, you know, if Brandon Parker is a starter, you know, you're hoping that with better coaching, he gets better. But if that's your only big weak spot, then you can mitigate, you know, mitigate, mit, I can't even pronounce that word right now. Mitigate. Uh, mitigate. 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 With some chip help and, uh, you know, with some chip help, you know, from the running back or tight ends or, or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it, it's just you're hoping for maybe one leaky spot instead of three leaky spots like, it, you know, what, what happened last season. Uh, we're going to head over to Trevor M. And we're going to ask him as the, as the first thing he does when he comes on the stage, he's got to pronounce mitigate for us. Can you pronounce mitigate? <laughs> I think mitigate is, is a pretty easy word to say. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> My apologies. I just had a brain You wouldn't expect it uh, any different from the Raider Nation to come at you. Come on now. So uh, the previous guy took uh, a couple questions, but I, I along the same lines, when Cable came in and we took Colt Miller and everybody was freaking out and they were like, okay, now Cable is amazing because Colt Miller has turned the corner and he's doing a very good job, probably top five left tackle in the league. And Cable's great. And then this year Cable sucks again and our offensive line is terrible. Um, if, if we're not going to use whatever of that 20 million, I don't know when cars contract will post and all that stuff, but, um, are we, is that something that we're, we're not looking at for offensive line? And if that's the case, you know, I'm the Brandon Parker money scares me to death. Cause even my son who's 12 was like, dad, he's terrible. Like he's awful. <laughs> uh, if, if the money that we're going to to spend that we free up in June doesn't go to offensive line. Let's hope it does. Even though, like I said, that Parker contract scares me. What are we going to do with that money? Uh, extension. Uh, extension. <laughs> Apparently they don't have, you know, like with these, these signing bonuses that we're seeing, um, uh, I feel like if they had it, they would have tried to push Derek Carr's cap number down some more this year. So, um, you know, for if they do want to extend somebody like Connor Renfro, we've seen the receiver market balloon, you know, guys like Christian Kirk getting kind of money he got, you know, with Renfro coming off, you know, a Pro Bowl season, I think he's going to be more expensive than maybe they anticipated. And so that, you know, maybe not having the cash, but when you have that much cash space, you can, you know, traditional salary and, and get him to the annual salary that he's trying to get to. And so, 
if they don't end up, you know, signing a significant free agent, uh, when that money comes off the books, they could use use some of that money to extend some guys and kind of, you know, offset them not having maybe the cash to give guys those those big signing bonuses. Yeah, that twenty million is probably not going to help the offensive line just because all the um, good free agents or potential starters from the free agency pool have been pretty much signed. I mean, you could sign, you know, there's still Marcus Cannon who played right tackle for McDaniels before, but he's coming off, you know, a, a pretty significant injury. So they have to see um, how uh, he is. But, you know, if if you could use that $20 million to shore up the secondary, then maybe you could take multiple shots at offensive linemen in the draft. Uh, but it's just hard to count on finding a starter when, you know, your highest pick is your, your third round draft pick. You know, maybe they uh, maybe they trade back in the first round using future picks um later but um you know that that's a tough spot where the raiders are at now they they still have some major holes in um uh, the secondary and with the offensive lines so and they don't have much capital to uh kind of fill fill those hole, holes with um uh, you know and like i said you know it's just hard to feel to count bank on finding a starter in in the third round Come on, Honey Badger is just sitting around waiting. He's going to wait until June 2nd and wait for the Raiders to get all that cap space. That's just why he hasn't signed yet. He's going to, they're going to, they're going to sign Honey Badger on June 2nd and uh, they're going to lock up that secondary. Yeah, thanks for, for flooding my mentions with all the, the Honey Badger questions now. There you go. Cool. All right, Derek J. What's going on, Derek? Is Gilmore still uh, definitely out of the question? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> All right. Stephen L. Stephen L., you are on the stage. Kind of a random question here for you, but I've been to a few away games. I have a goal to see all the, uh, the NFL stadiums. Curious what your guys' take is with getting to go to all the games and whatnot. What would you say your top three stadiums you got to go see, taking into account, you know, the historic places, the fan bases, the atmosphere, all that, cities? Um, what would you say are the, the must-go-tos? I would say Allegiant Stadium in SoFi. Um, they have no history so far, but they're probably the two best stadiums in the league. Outside of that, my third one, I would say the oh, – that's a tough one. I think maybe the the Steelers environment was pretty cool. It was a pretty yeah, I was historic gonna, stadium. I was going to say Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh's yeah. nice. It's I mean, right there on the river – um, it's fun to stay like in downtown and like walk to the game in the morning. Um, I like I like Pittsburgh a lot. Uh, I've never been to Lambo. How, how's Lambo, Jimmy? I haven't been to Lambo yet either. Um, yeah, I mean, I only had like two full seasons of, of doing all the travel, and they didn't go to they went to Lambo like in the preseason. So I haven't been to Lambo. I've been to about half of the stadiums, um, you know, and I don't really travel much anymore. So um, yeah, I've only I've only been to about half. Um, I mean, for for the city perspective, not necessarily necessarily the stadium. Uh, I mean, New Orleans when you know when the Raiders play there. I mean, you know that, that game in 2016 was was obviously a crazy game. But I mean, that's you know, and from the perspective of being able to like go to Bourbon on Saturday night, go to the game on Sunday, go back to Bourbon on Sunday night. Um, it's hard to beat going to a game in New Orleans. But um, no matter what the weather is, if you go to New Orleans, bring a jacket to the stadium because they pump the AC into there so freaking strong that it can be like 98 outside and you get in there. And like I, I laughed when my colleagues last time at that 2016 game shows up with like 
a sweater and a and a scarf and like what the hell are you doing and by the end of the game i'm just like sitting there just like just like shivering because i'm so cold because the ac pumps so hard so uh pittsburgh new orleans is fun but bring a jacket no matter what the weather is that's their way of keeping drew Brees from aging All right, Stephen, we appreciate it, man. Um, we're going to head over to Kyle P. We're going to get to Kyle P. and David D. Those are going to be our last two before we uh, sign off here. Kyle, how you doing? Good, good. Hey, quick question. I think our corner group is kind of deep, uh, but I'm getting conflicting reports about what corner does what well. I know Trevon Mullen is more of a man corner, and I know um, Patrick Graham will mold his scheme to his players, so what kind of coverages do you think will run most based off of what these corners do well? I mean, to me, I think Trayvon Mullen's, uh, you know, strength is his ability to play multiple coverages. He can play a little man. He can play zone coverages. I think, I just think he's a really smart um, corner that's able to do multiple things. Uh, with Rockison, I, I thought he was better in zone when I was uh, watching him in college. I haven't watched him last year, but, uh, PFF gave him a pretty high grade uh, in man coverage last season, but PFF grades aren't everything. So I have to go back and rewatch it. But, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, Graham's going to be multiple. He's going to play a lot of quarters. Um, he's going to play some too high. So you'll see, um, you know, some cover two and cover four, cover six, um, you know, where they're going to ask their, their corners to play a little bit of man and, and play some zone, a zone that time. So, you know, I don't think they're going to be strictly boxed into just playing man or, or zone. Um, like, you know, they were last year playing a, a ton of zone. Gotcha. Speaking of road games, the wife and I go to one every year. This year we're going to New Orleans. So i buy you guys a drink if you guys are down. Bring your jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, that AC is no joke. I knew somebody who, uh, who left that game in 2016 in like the third quarter because they were just too cold. So, um, yeah, bring a jacket. <laughs> Thanks for All right. Advice. Thanks, Phyllis. Yeah. All right, David D., you're going to close it out. All right, well, David D., and then Joshua B. has begged uh, to come on and, and close it out with some – I was just going to say, David Joshua D. B. is on. I'm going to let him in the day, bro. He can have my spot. I'm going to let him oh, have it. Well, well, Sean, we'll just you so you know, I'm not greedy for wanting Honey Badger still. <laughs> <laughs> He's still out there. Come on. He's still out there. Not greedy. You got to give it to Joshua B, though. We got to let him leave, leave us off with some positivity. Right. Joshua B, you're here, man. This is just a reminder that I... Oh, it's this guy. Yes, he was. Again, like I said this in the last chat, I don't understand why anybody disagrees with it. Everybody's so sweating about the offensive line. Here's some news about our offensive line. It's going to be in their second year together. Do you want to know what every other NFL podcast says? Offensive lines with continuity are the ones that are successful. And there's no reason why we're not going to bring everybody back on the offensive line and why they wouldn't be better. And before everybody's like, oh, wow, you know, they really suck. You know, what are we going to do? Here's a news flash. They actually weren't that bad. How? Why am I basing that on? I get it that they had bad PFF rankings. We also made it to the playoffs, right? We made it to the playoffs in the same division as the Chiefs. You know who didn't make the playoffs? The Broncos. That's who didn't make the playoffs. So they're not going to finish last, okay? So when I ask everybody who's going to finish last in the division, it's not going to be the Raiders. I'll tell you who else is not going to – who else is not going to probably – 
uh, make the playoffs, the Chargers. And what do I base that on? The fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year. So what changed? Well, that doesn't... All right, all right. The positivity, we got to bring the positivity to a close. The Chargers got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. That's a little different. <laughs> Just like a little bit. Is it different than Chandler Jones? Is Chandler Jones so much worse than Khalil Mack? Or is it just that Khalil Mack was injured last year and you can't remember? No, I would say also on the offensive line. I mean, (laughs) Brandon Parker's been in the league for a while now. Like, is Brandon Parker suddenly going to be a good starter? Would you rather have Devontae Adams or Jason Jackson? I think the answer is extremely clear. I'll put them one-on-one with one another. We'll see what happens. And we'll see it twice. So, yeah, the only thing that changed today is that we have our quarterback for another three years. And not only that, we have at a reasonable cost this year, and we'll have him next to, like, I don't know, what's what's he going to be paid? Like the 10th best quarterback in the NFL in the year after that, and we've secured him for another third year? Great signing. Great move. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are dealing with the loss of Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew. That's what they have to look forward to. So you guys first? Are the Raiders first? Is that what you're saying? I have the Raiders first. I think they're better than the Chargers. Yes, I do. But I base that mostly on the fact that I can't remember what Khalil Mack did last year, and I do remember what Max Crosby did. That I remember. But maybe the reason I can't remember what Khalil Mack did is because he was as injured as Joey Bosa was. But I do remember what Max Crosby did. I remember that because he was there the whole time. (laughs) So, so was Chandler. I remember that. That piece I remember. I don't remember deeply what Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. I remember a lot of people saying that they were super talented. I also remember them being injured for a lot of games last year. That's what I remember. So, yeah, we are going to finish first. The Raiders are going to finish first. All right. First in the division, Super Bowl run. Everything's coming together. Hey, just uh, all I ask, you put your money where your mouth is. Bet, Bet the house on it. <laughs> but I'll put a hundred dollars down. Yeah, of course I will. I would put my money down. My only question for the group is: is if we make the playoffs that this upcoming year, right? And say our say our defensive line just dominates games, and our linebackers um, and our corners don't have to cover as long as they have to, as, as long as they have to. Which team outside of the AFC West and outside of Buffalo, well, fuck, I'm about to say Baltimore, right? But which team in the AF South would you like to face in the first round of the playoffs, like if it was your choice? Hmm. Uh, yeah, any team in the AFC and, South. Yeah, I mean, any so any team in the AFC South. I mean, yeah, that's just kind of the default. I t- I'll take whoever comes out of the South. Um, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like their chances really against anybody in the South. What I like the Texans. Do? Yeah, like well, I would yeah. play the worst team in the fucking league. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the easy choice there. I uh, mean, who's the, fav- the, the favorites? You know, I, between the, the Colts, Titans and the Colts. I mean, you know, the, between the Titans and the Colts. Um, and I, I, I'd, I'd take the Raiders over either of those teams. Yeah, I mean, like the Colts, they'll be. I mean, the Raiders beat them. I mean, obviously, I have Matt Ryan now, so it's a little different. So. I would say the Colts are probably the best team on paper in that division. Titans aren't far behind. Like I don't think you know it would be like a blowout or anything like that. But it was definitely two teams that I think the Raiders could beat. I think you say that about a lot of matchups in the AFC because like the division is really 
strong is much stronger than the NFC, but I think there are a good amount of teams that are like relatively like evenly matched if you just put them head up. So I think that would be part of what makes it so fun to watch the conference this year. All right, our friend Joshua B dropped the, dropped himself off, so uh, I think we can drop ourselves off as well. This was uh, this was fun, another good live room. We always enjoy getting to chat with you guys, and uh, you know, hey, the the Raiders have uh, have at least answered probably the biggest offseason question we had is when. What would they do with Derek Carr? When would they extend him? Would this be something they would let linger? Um, they, they're not going to let it linger. Derek Carr is locked up. The trade conversations can, can mostly disappear with the no trade clause. And uh, hey, as, as Carr said, it, he did it just so Paul Gutierrez will stop trying to trade him. But um, Derek had to, get in, had to get in a dig at somebody. He, uh, yeah, he, Paul, he, poor Paul wasn't, even, Paul wasn't even there to defend himself, man. That was a, that was a cheap shot. Uh, all right guys well we will be back uh probably sometime around the draft um you know two weeks away obviously it's a a weird draft for the raiders where they're they're hosting it in las vegas but um they are not really participating for quite a while there's not gonna be any big first round pick to break down because uh, as we've said i think previously they don't really have the ammunition to uh, move up into that first round so um you know we'll see what the the raiders are able to do i mean they're not going to be able to likely add a guy that you're going to get super excited about and, and be able to pencil in as uh, as a day one starter. But, you know, last year they obviously went out and drafted a guy that uh, that they thought they were penciling in as their right tackle, and, and we see how that worked out. So uh, as Raider fans have, have eagerly pointed out, at least they don't have to uh, – at least they're not going to be disappointed when uh, when the Raiders reach for somebody in the first round that they uh, that they don't like. So, um, they you know, when when the first round, first two rounds go on, you sit back and you watch some Devontae Adams highlights and, uh, and enjoy the fact that he's a Raider now. So yeah, and talk for those uh, those mid round steals that they would might find another Hunter Renfro, the Max Crosby, something like that. You know, uh, Nate Hobbs. Yeah, they got some excitement in those in those later rounds. You just might not know who they are when they're drafted. All right, guys, we will talk to you all again sometime soon. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want, honey. We know the names. We are the people that can find whatever you may need. If you got the money, honey, we got your disease in the jungle. Welcome to the jungle.